just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. You'll recall I told a cute little story about Christmas regarding me when I was young. Well, I have another cute little Christmas story. This time it's about my oldest son. Now, the reason I'm telling this, other than it's cute and to me kind of touching, because it'll lead us into another story that's more appropriate for the Rational Boomer Podcast and... uh, is regarding something that's happening now, here and now in this country, and it's kind of important. So anyway, my oldest son was born in 1987, and it was Christmas of 1993. Maybe it was 92. I don't know, in that range. He was five or six years old. My youngest son, not yet born, he was born in 94. So anyway... It's Christmas time. We have our only son at that point, and we have to decide what to buy him for Christmas. Now, what you have to understand about my oldest son, he was always bigger than kids his age, meaning taller. He uh, was a good-looking kid. He uh, was very smart. He was very funny. He was very articulate. He was mature for his age. And that really worked against him in many ways because people saw him as older than what he was. They expected more out of him, but he was still just a five-year-old kid. So sometimes people got confused. And I have to be honest, my wife and I got caught up in that too. We'd see this little guy walking around the house and we'd think, well, he's older than he is. He's smarter than he should be for this age. We're impressed by it. We're proud of it. But sometimes we expected more out of him than we maybe should have. So it's Christmas time, and my wife and I decide to go out to buy Christmas presents for our son. We buy a lot of little Christmas presents. My wife buys some stuff to put in a stocking to make it special for my young son. But now we have to come up with a big present for him, the big kahuna of presents, you know. And it's always hard to know what to buy for a five- or six-year-old. So I came up with the idea that, hey, you know, this kid loves watching Disney movies. He loves watching Power Rangers and those sorts of things. You know, it would be cool. It would be cool if I got him his own TV and maybe a little VCR so he could play his tapes, too. He would think that was awesome. He'd have his own TV. He'd have his own VCR. He'd be a big shot. He would love that. So I'm pretty excited. We get to Christmas Day. My young son comes down the steps. He's excited. He sees all the presents. He opens his little presents. He loves them. You know, back in the day, he loved his, what he used to call his guys. Now, that could be anything from the little dolls that were Power Rangers or the wrestling guys or whatever. He loved those things. So I'm thinking, okay, we're getting to the TV. This kid is going to be so excited. So he opens the package with the TV and the small VCR. And I look at his face and immediately I notice this kid's disappointed. He doesn't like that gift and I don't understand it. (laughs) I don't get it. This kid should love this gift. He 
doesn't like this gift. So I asked him, I said, you, you don't like the gift? He goes, no, I like it. Remember, this is a very polite kid. He's not going to come out and say, no, I don't like it. Get me something better. But uh, so I keep pushing him, and now my wife's a little upset about it, too, because we want our kid excited. We want him happy with the presents we got for him. And I push it further and further, and I said, look, you can be honest with me. I want you to be happy. So tell me, if you don't like this, just say it. And he looks at me, and he's got a tear in his eye, and he says, well, I was hoping for something better. Now, he didn't, he didn't do it in a way where he was ungrateful or being a jerk or anything. He was just sad, and I'd pushed him, and I made him answer. And I thought to myself, he wants something better. Now, I can't think of anything else better than getting a kid his own TV. So I said to him, I said, look, here's what we're going to do. Today's Christmas, nothing's open, but tomorrow what we're going to do, just you and me, We're going to take this television back to Target or wherever we got it, wherever we got it, and we're going to get our money back. And then we're going to take that money and we're going to walk through the toy section or wherever you want to go and you can buy anything you want with that amount of money. And he seemed kind of excited, which made us happy because we don't want our kids sad on Christmas Day. So anyway... Next morning, we get up, he's excited, and uh, we take the TV back. I don't know, it was a couple hundred bucks, maybe 300 bucks, something like that, with the VCR. And so I said, okay, we've got this much money. Let's go hit the areas you want to hit, and we're going to buy anything you want. Well, it didn't take long for him to get to the toy section, which seems reasonable. He's five, six years old. And he starts seeing all the Batman stuff, Batman caves, Batman cars, Batman guys, all this stuff, Batman villains. (laughs) He's looking at it, and he's excited. I go, do you want that stuff? And now he's kind of tentative. He doesn't really believe he can pick out whatever he wants, and he has no idea how much money he has and how much stuff he can get. So I said, if that's what you want, dude, let's get it. So he gets the Batman cave, the Batman car. Uh, a Batman guy. And he looks at me. I go, dude, you got plenty of money left. Keep going. And he takes down some more and he takes down some more. And I, he looks at me again because he's unsure. And I say, you got more money. So he pulls down more stuff and he pulls down more stuff. <laughs> Finally, the cart is full of plastic Batman shit. <laughs> but he looks happy. He looks excited, boy. And so we get it full. He gets close to what the TV and the VCR cost, and you can see he's getting excited. And so we get to the checkout. I pay the guy. It's in like three or four bags. He's carrying two. I'm carrying two. And we're walking out. We're walking out the door. And as we get to the door of Target and walking outside, he looks at me. He goes, Dad, this is the best Christmas I ever had. (laughs) Now, you know what? You might think I made a mistake when I bought that television set, but in retrospect, I didn't. Because had I not bought that television set, I would never have been able to experience that moment, because that moment 
plays in my head over and over again. It's something I'll never forget. When your kid can look at you, a big smile on his face, he got exactly what he wanted, regardless of what I thought of it. He got exactly what he wanted. He got to pick it out. And he tells me that that's the best Christmas he ever had. We walked out of there and uh, put it in the car, got home. And my wife says, what'd you get? And I start showing her, and she looks kind of concerned. I go, don't say anything. This kid is happy as he can be, and that's what Christmas is about. So let's just enjoy his happiness, and he's going to enjoy his Batman shit, even though it's all plastic. He's got $300 worth of Batman plastic here. If that's what makes him happy, we did our job. (laughs) And the reason I always think of that story And I've said this to a millennial before. My son, of course, is a millennial. You know, when millennials always try to put down boomers like me, like you, they'll say we're selfish, we're self-centered, and uh, we demand what we want to get, and we're ruining everything for them. (laughs) My standard line to any millennial, and my son's no better than to say this to me, but any millennial like my nephew or somebody, I look at them and said, funny, you never complained when we were buying you $300 worth of plastic Batman shit. (laughs) And they always look at me and they go, yeah, you got a point. (laughs) You got a point. Now, as promised, this story will lead us into something that's more appropriate for the Rational Boomer podcast and has to do with something that's going on today. As we all know, there is a worker shortage. There is not enough people to fill jobs for employers. Now, a lot of people had reasons for that. A lot of people said that, uh, a lot of Republicans said, well, it's all the government handouts and the free money. Nobody wants to work anymore. Okay. Well, the free money stopped, the handouts stopped, but that didn't help the worker shortage. Didn't fix a goddamn thing. Interesting. Now, a while back, I said, well, you know, maybe it's the boomers. You know, you got boomers on the edge of retiring. The pandemic comes. They don't want to screw around with the new technology or the changes in their work space or working from home. They don't necessarily want to go into an office and be exposed to a virus that might kill them. They don't want to do that. And maybe even more so, after working 30 years in business, maybe they're tired of being treated like shit and paid shit. Maybe they just got tired of it and they just didn't want to do it anymore. And you know what? There is now a study that came out. And that study tells us that 70% of the people who haven't returned to work since the pandemic are baby boomers. Baby boomers have said, just fuck it. I'm not going back. I'm going to retire. Maybe I'll retire early. Now, a lot of millennials and other folks say, well, how is that possible? How can all these boomers retire early? Well, there's an easy answer to that. And the answer is simple. The answer is, with the housing market going crazy, these boomers' homes are worth far more than they ever imagined. 
And since Joe Biden took over, the stock market is breaking records and it's going great guns. And now all of a sudden their 401ks are worth a lot more than they ever imagined. These boomers who worked all their life, had some investments in their homes and maybe their 401ks, are finding themselves in a little different position. You see, all my life I watch people who were on the verge of retiring. And they say, well, I can't quite do it yet. I don't have enough money yet. But now all of a sudden, these boomers have two things that push them into retirement. First of all, the pandemic that's screwing up all of the workforce. It's causing them problems they don't want to get involved in. They worked for 30 years and worked for assholes and treated badly and paid poorly. So they're in a position to say, fuck it, because all of a sudden they got more money than they expected. Maybe not a lot more money, but enough money to make it feasible for them to retire before they thought they were going to retire. As somebody who's technically retired, I will suggest to you, the faster you can retire, the better. Because you spend your whole life working. You spend yourself selling your time. When you finally get to that point where you can retire and own your own time, live on your own time frame, it's really a, a feeling of freedom. It's a feeling that, okay, maybe I can live my life now. Maybe I can do what I want to do as opposed to what everybody else wants me to do. And it's a very freeing moment. And it's a great way to spend the last portion of your life. And it's important that you do it in time where you can still live a life. A lot of people work till they die. There's no fucking point in that. You don't live to work. You work to live. And so the thing about it is, is that that uh, all these people just said, fuck it, we're not going to work anymore, we're going to retire. Now, when people retire, there's a certain amount of people that come back into the workhouse. Like, for example, my wife, she was a teacher for 30 years. She worked her ass off for 30 years and dealt with a lot of bullshit, both from employers and the kids and the parents. It was a tough job. No way I would have fucking done that job, no fucking way. But when she retired, she's one of these people that always has to be doing something. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not one of those people. I'm perfectly content doing nothing if the time allows. But she couldn't do that. And she had another dream, as I've told you before, to work for an airline. Not that it was any big deal to work for an airline for her after being a teacher for 30 years, but she knew how that might give her some freedom by working part-time and being able to have a perk of being able to fly wherever you want for free, which is now what she has. And by virtue of being married to her, so do I. So I made out good in that deal. The important thing you have to understand about this whole situation, there are two lessons to be learned by our current situation with our shortage in workers. First of all, let's talk about the employers. Now, if the employers truly want to get some of the boomers back, because I'll be honest with you, people don't realize there's as many boomers as there are millennials. We're talking like 70 million boomers. So we've had a lot of people retire, maybe die. And that's given us a worker shortage. Well, there's a lot more boomers to come. 
and they'll be retiring. They may be dying. So this work shortage, worker shortage thing isn't going away anytime soon. In fact, it's probably going to get worse. So I have a couple of tips. First of all, for the employers. If, in fact, you want to get boomers back to work because you're short workers, here's what you need to do. Or if you want to get some of the few and far between younger workers to work for you as opposed to your competitor or somebody else, here's what you need to do. You need to sharpen that fucking pencil. You got to pay people more, give them more benefits, and you got to start treating them well. I know you've spent 30 years being the one with leverage and you've done whatever you've wanted. You cheated them out of money so you could make more profits. But those days are over. If you can't get workers to work in your company, well, ultimately you won't have a company. So you got to kind of compromise here. I know you fought hard about the $15 an hour minimum. And the Republicans were always proud to say, why don't you just let the free market handle it? Well, you got what you asked for because the free market is handling it. It's about supply and demand. And in this case, it's workers. You need workers, but the supply is low. And you know what happens in the supply and demand law when that happens? The supply gets more fucking expensive. Now you're going to have to compete with other businesses. You're going to have to pay better, treat people better, give people more benefits. And don't tell me you can't do it because if you don't do it, you're just out of fucking business. So even if you think you can't do it, you're going to have to come up with an answer and fucking do it. You're going to have to do it if you want to stay in business. So that's the news for the employer. But I have some information and a tip for the young people now just starting out their careers or in the early portions of their careers. The key to any success is recognizing opportunities and then grasping those opportunities and exploiting those opportunities. I'm here to tell you right now, you young people, this is an opportunity. This is a big opportunity. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that may change your life forever. Because you see, now as workers, you have the leverage. We've never seen that in the past, where the workers have the leverage and the employers don't. The employers would always say, well, if you don't like it here, we'll just kick you out. There are nine people waiting for your job. That's not the case anymore. They fucking need you. And with supply and demand, that means they got to pay you. So as a young person starting out in their careers, whatever it might be, you may be able to apply for and get a job that's much higher than you expected you'd get coming out of high school or college or trade school. You might be able to get something farther along down the road than you imagined just by virtue of the shortage of workers. And you may probably be able to demand more money for your work than your parents did, your boomer parents did. So this is an opportunity you need to grasp. I've got a son who's, what, 27, and he's done different things. He's got a college degree, 
And I told him today, I said, look, man, here is a fucking opportunity I never got. Here's an opportunity your kids may not get. Now's the time to be bold. Go out there and shoot your shot, as they say, and try for something you don't expect you're going to get. I mean, at worst case, all you can be is turned down, but who knows, you may get it. I talked to a young woman recently, and uh, she was the girlfriend of a friend of mine's nephew. When I was out in L.A., I met her. She said, I got a new job. I'm in marketing. I said, cool. She goes, I'm going to probably get fired, though. I go, you haven't even started yet. How do you know you're going to get fired? Well, it's a big-time job, and, and, and it's, it's representing a big-time brand. I got no business doing that. And I said, well, that's not the attitude to take going in there. They hired you because they needed you, and you were the best possible choice for that job. Now, you may think in your heart that you can't handle this job, but let me tell you a little secret about jobs. Even if you have trade school, even if you have college, any job you take, there's going to be a period of time where you have to ramp up. And all the things you learned in school may or may not help you. Everything you'll need to know about that job, you'll learn while you're on the job. So you get in there, keep your eyes open, your ears open, and keep listening, ask a lot of questions, and you'll find your way in that job, and ultimately you'll be very good at it if you persist. So don't worry about getting fired, because they need you. That's why they hired you. You're a smart enough girl where you can figure this out, fake it till you make it, and then when you do, you'll be glad you did, because you'll be farther along down the road in your career than most people have in the past. So take advantage of that opportunity. And that opportunity is out there for everybody. Whether you want to be a janitor or whether you want to be a marketer or whether you don't want to do something online or or something like that. The fact is that opportunity is there for you. So employers do fucking better. Pay better. Offer better benefits and uh, treat people with respect because they are absolutely crucial to your business and you're finding that out now. But do better because you're in competition with a bunch of other businesses now. It's not like it was. You can't pick and choose who you want and be a jerk about it. You need what you need, so go get it. But be prepared to be competitive. And the young people, as I've said before, this is your opportunity. This is a big opportunity. And I'm excited about this opportunity for my son and for all the young people out there. This is a time you need to take advantage. By all means, take that advantage and do what you got to do and start your road on your career at a higher point than maybe you thought you could have. All right, we'll take a quick break. We will be right back. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, I saw an interesting video. Now, I've told you many times, I'm neither Democrat or Republican. I spend most of my time ripping Republicans because they're fucking outrageous and they're destroying this country. But I've also said the Democrats have their 
problems, too. And once we take care of the Republicans, we need to take a hard look at the Democrats because they're guilty of some things that work against us as well. And there was a video, and it was a very quick, simple thing, but it's turned out to be kind of a big deal. Nancy Pelosi was in a press conference or something, and somebody asked asked her if she, she would be for not allowing people in Congress to uh, make stock buys, stock buys by members of Congress. Now, there's always been a lot of conversation about this. People go in, make it $175,000 a year, and by the time they come out, they have $20 million. And we know that there is a lot of people in Congress taking advantage of their situation and some of the knowledge they gain by being in their position to make more informed stock decisions and stock buys than the average Joe like you and me. Now, there is a stock act that's supposed to stop them from violating this essentially insider trading. There is a stock act there. It's a law designed to stop insider trading and prevent conflicts of interest. Now, here's the interesting thing. Nancy Pelosi says, no, I wouldn't be for um, stopping people in Congress to be able to buy stocks, which is pretty telling. Now, Nancy Pelosi is one of these people that's worth tons and tons of money, and she didn't get it by making $175,000 a year as Speaker of the House or whatever she's getting. So she had to make her money someplace else. And chances are it was investments and utilizing some of the information that nobody else gets that she shouldn't use, and that's helped her to gain a fortune. Now, the interesting thing is we're hearing now that in members of Congress, current members of Congress, there are 49 members and 200 of their staff that have violated the Stock Act. And you know what happened to them? Not jack shit. Nothing happened to them. So they have this Stock Act in order to stop them from doing this insider training or trading, but there is no responsibility that they hold for breaking that law. They aren't accountable for it. So they set this law up to keep everybody happy, but everybody breaks it, and these people make tons and tons of money. Now, many of us are involved in stock trading and stock investing, but we don't know nearly the things that these people in Congress do. We don't know some of the insider things that would make buying stock a little easier and more profitable for us because we know some things that everybody else doesn't know. And this is rampant in Congress, whether it be the House or the Senate. They have done this for decades and decades. Not all of them do it, I have to be honest, but enough of them do where they make a lot of money and they're taking advantage of a system a system that's supposed to have some accountability, but they're never held accountable. The telling thing is that somebody said to Nancy Pelosi, would you be for stopping the stock buying of our Congress because of this insider trading? 
Nancy Pelosi looked right at him. She said, no, I would not be for that. Well, here's my question. Why not? I mean, Nancy, you got all your money now. Why not just say, fuck it, yeah, let's stop doing it. But that's something ingrained in Congress. It's like a perk they get. Now, people in Congress get all kinds of perks. They get lifetime health care. They get pensions. They get special material perks. And apparently one of those perks is the ability to do insider trading without any kind of accountability. And that's a little frustrating. See, this is what I mean. It's not just Republicans and Democrats, these 49 people in Congress that have violated the law and have not gotten any accountability for it. These are Democrats and Republicans. Not one side is better than the other. These are people that get jobs with big power. They have an advantage and they grab it and they use it to their full benefit, even though they're not supposed to do it legally. So the key would be to stop Congress, members of Congress, of making any stock trades. We can't make another law because we got a law that they aren't enforcing. So that's not doing any good. But here's Nancy Pelosi saying, yeah, I wouldn't be for that. Well, that's disappointing. Democrats would like to believe that the Democrats are the better people, the more honest people, because compared to the Republicans, they are. But they're not completely honest. They're not completely without fault. And we need to look at that. We've got people making millions and millions of dollars while we elect them to office, and they're doing it illegally, or at least unethically, and nothing's happening to them. I'm very disappointed in Nancy Pelosi for saying that. I would expect better. But in realistic terms, I didn't expect better because I knew this has been going on for years and years and years, and So we are just living with it, and the Speaker of the House doesn't want to get rid of it. You see, there's always people out there I talk to that says, well, we've got to stop the insider trading. We've got to set term limits. That's the absolute fucking thing we've got to do. The term limits are going to change everything, and I don't disagree with you at all. We've got to stop the insider trading. We've got to add term limits to these people. When they wrote the Constitution and they formed this government, it was never any intent that anybody would take a job in politics and make it a career. In fact, it was intended to be doing your service for the government. You might be a farmer. You might be a merchant. You, you could do anything. You might be a doctor. For two or six years, you would come to the House or the Senate, serve your time, and then go back to your job. That doesn't happen anymore. They pay these people too much money. They don't need other fucking jobs. They get in there, entrench themselves in Congress, and they just fucking stay there for as long as they can. So this isn't how it was intended. And it would be nice to have term limits. It would be nice to have them stop doing the insider training, trading. But here's the problem with that. People always recommend this to me, and I say, it will never happen. And they seem disappointed. They seem confused when I tell them that. The real problem here is that the people that would decide to set term limits 
or to set aside the insider trading, trading and making that illegal are the very people who are committing the offenses. It's like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know even how to explain it. The only way we can get it done is, is if Congress uh, says, yep, we're going to have term limits. But how many people in Congress are going to fucking do that? Nobody's going to cut their own throats or the throats of their friends and cohorts. So it's not going to get done. Same with the insider training. Nobody's going to stop that because it affects them. It's going to take away their benefits. So we can rant about this forever, and it's never going to get done. In realistic terms, the only thing we can really probably do is make it an issue when we go to vote. And anybody who's not for that issue, vote those fuckers out. Set the tone that we aren't going to elect anybody unless you're for term limits. But in order to do that, that's going to take a lot of time. We're going to have to go through a lot of politicians to get the ones out that are against it and find people who are crazy enough to admit that they would be for it. They'd be for cutting their own throats or taking away their own benefits. And then once they get in, they get a little power, do they stick by that? Because, you know, politicians typically lie. What we need to do is have some other way to set these term limits and stop insider trading or whatever it is. We can't let these people police themselves because it will never be policed. You'll get people making insider trades, breaking a law, but not being held accountable because they're the very same people that are policing the situation. You get it? These things aren't going to be fixed unless we change something, and I have no idea how you change it other than voting in new people and voting out the old people. Then you have to trust that the new people will do what they promised to do, and clearly that is a problem in politics. How many people actually come through with what they promise? They'll tell you whatever they want to hear, uh, but they won't necessarily follow up on it. That's been a problem since the beginning of time, our time anyway, in the United States. Somebody telling you what you want to hear and they're not providing it once they get in. And then they'll just say, oh, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Here's what you need to do. Vote me in again, and then I'll get to it. And that's how they do it. And then they sit there for 30 years doing whatever they want, building their bank account, uh, accumulating power, and then doing whatever they want. And once they have power, they don't want to relinquish that power, so they're not going to do what you want them to do. It's really a catch-22. I don't know how to fix the situation. So for all of you that say, all we do is need term limits, well, that's great. But how are you going to do it? You're not going to get it done in the current situation. Now, I wanted to talk about... Uh, Mark Meadows and another politician that we all know. We know that Mark Meadows turned over 6,000 documents to the House Select Committee. And why? I don't fucking know. Because it's created a shitstorm. It's really showing what these Republicans were talking about during and just before the insurrection. We've got a lot of people supporting the insurrection, giving advice, giving encouragement. These are all broken laws. These people are all in trouble. And the latest one we're seeing of somebody texting 
to Mark Meadows, a politician texting to Mark Meadows, encouraging an overthrow of government or suggesting ideas and ways of doing that. Happens to be a gentleman by the name of Rick Perry. (laughs) You remember Rick Perry? He was running for president. Somebody asked him, tell us about, tell us what the three branches of government are. He couldn't tell you. He couldn't come up with the answer. Now, here's the fucking crazy thing. He was once the governor of Texas. And at the time, under Donald Trump, he was the director of energy or secretary of energy or whatever it was. This guy's been in politics for a long time. He ran for president, but here he is sending a text encouraging and offering advice in overthrowing his own government. Now, here's the thing. Of course, Rick Perry denies, I never sent that. I never, ever sent that. Come on. (laughs) Unfortunately, unfortunately, some of these uh, journalists that were reporting this had Rick Perry Perry's phone number. So when they looked up where the text came from, surprise, surprise, sir fucking prize, it came from that very same number. This guy's going to lie about it, but they have a text coming from his number to Mark Meadows that Mark Meadows willingly turned over. And he's saying it didn't come from him. Well, who the fuck did it come from? Did some communist Hack your phone and do it, knowing that at some point it would come to light? Come on. I mean, I'm tired of Republicans doubling down and lying and diverting and distracting and gaslighting. That's all Rick Perry is doing. Here's a guy that was the uh, Secretary of Energy for this country, former governor of Texas. And he's thinking that overthrowing the government and committing an insurrection is a good idea. And here's some ideas of how to get it done. Let's be perfectly honest with you. Doing that is absolutely illegal. Everything that these Republicans did when they text Meadows about the insurrection, promoting the insurrection, giving advice about the insurrection, that is all sedition. That is all illegal. All of these people could be indicted, tried, and convicted. You can say what you want. You can try to gaslight, but these are actual documents that come from you, and it's proven, and go to Mark Meadows, and that's proven. You can say all you want, but you ain't going to get out of this one. This one is going to turn into a nightmare for the Republicans, because the exposure hasn't even started yet. As I've said, um, Benny Thompson is talking about live public hearings on television during prime time that extend over weeks. He said weeks. Now, all this stuff we're getting out in bits and pieces are going to come out in big clumps, big, troublesome clumps for the Republicans. That's coming. Between now and then, we're going to probably hear more bits and pieces, and it's going to get more egregious as we hear them. And it's getting closer to Donald Trump. Donald Trump will be exposed for who he is. Now, he doesn't text or send emails because he's smart. Well, he's smart, but he's stupid. He knows he's stupid, so if he has an email or a text, he knows he's going to say something fucking ignorant. That's why I don't think we should have shut him out on Twitter. 
We need him on Twitter to keep making these fucked up mistakes because every time he talked, he just exposed himself to something else. So I don't know if we benefited from shutting Donald Trump down from Twitter. You know, it was a way to own Donald Trump, but he is his own worst enemy. And the more he can talk, the more he's going to destroy himself and all the people around him. I mean, ultimately, that's how it's going to go when it comes back to Donald Trump, whether it be in New York, Georgia, or D.C. He's going to start throwing people under the bus. He's going to start blaming other people. And then those people will step back trying to save themselves, and (laughs) Donald Trump will be the lone mouse with the cheese. And that's where it all comes apart for Donald Trump. Now, one of the last things I wanted to talk about, and we've talked about this before, and I think it's very interesting, but we need to look deeper into how it's going to affect this country. We know that Texas has created these bullshit state laws to inhibit um, abortions in their state. You know, the situation is if uh, somebody's having an abortion outside the six-week limit that they put out there, They basically deputized everybody in the state, made them vigilantes, and if they find somebody getting an abortion, giving an abortion, helping somebody get an abortion, they can sue them for $10,000. Well, that's basically subverting the Constitution and the Supreme Court because with Roe v. Wade, it was constitutional. It was legal to have an abortion. Now, the Supreme Court hasn't done any good here because three times they could have put a stop to this, and they have it. Now, the goal for um, Texas and Mississippi, for that matter, is to get Roe v. Wade overturned. Well, then we had the news coming out of California with Gavin Newsom, the governor there. He's getting frustrated about all this abortion anti-abortion stuff in Texas and Mississippi and elsewhere around the country. Because, trust me, that anti-abortion little state law, this little uh, workaround that they've got, it's going to happen in a lot of other states. So Gavin Newsom, of course, said, look, if it works for abortion, how about guns? We're tired of school shootings. We're tired of mass shootings. If you can do that for abortions, why can't we create some state laws, he's the governor, create some state laws that allow people to sue anybody manufacturing, buying, or selling semi-automatic assault weapons. Oh, that's going to piss off the Republicans. That's their precious Second Amendment. You can't touch that. Well, yeah, but you already set up the rules with this abortion thing. The abortion situation is... um, uh, part of the Constitution. That's a constitutional right to get abortion. So now you want to hinder that. And what if California wants to hinder you buying guns? And of course, the abortion thing will spread to other states. And if this happens, so will the gun issue. But here's the problem. It's not just the abortion issue and not just the gun issue. If states in this country think they can undermine the Constitution by doing these little workaround bullshit things, then people are going to do it for everything. We are going to have absolute chaos and no judicial system. 
They're looking for loopholes to beat out the Constitution and the Supreme Court. And then when you have the Supreme Court who's not willing to shut it down because they see the dangers of it, they don't see that or aren't willing to react to it, this is going to call for a lot of chaos in this country. It may be abortions now, guns later. It could be absolutely fucking anything. Maybe it comes down to paying taxes. We don't like paying taxes, so if somebody's tried to collect taxes, somebody in our state can sue you, meaning the federal government. Now, that will never happen because people won't stop anybody from collecting taxes because states themselves are the worst predators when it comes to taxes. But you see what I mean. If there's anything that somebody doesn't like, they create these stupid workaround bullshit vigilante type laws to try to work around the Constitution. Now, if that starts happening in multiple states on multiple topics, this country is going to be a mess, judicially speaking. You go to one state and you can't do this. You go to another state, you can. Another state makes it a sanctuary state for the abortions. And this country is a fucking mess. We're talking about unifying the country, and this is doing more to divide the country than anything else. This is why I'm disturbed by the Supreme Court. Whether they like abortion or not, they have to see what could come about if they don't shut this down. But they haven't. They aren't willing to shut it down, and I think that they want to overturn Roe v. Wade. But this is the big problem I've always said about the Republicans. They come on strong. They want what they want. They will fight, cheat, lie, steal to get what they want. But they seem to forget at some point down the road, the other side, it leaves the door open for them to do the very same thing against them. It's so fucking short-sighted. It's so stupid. And more importantly, it's damaging to this country. I can only hope the Supreme Court shuts this shit down. Because as much as people don't like abortions, I think most of us are against school shootings. So maybe we should do something like that. Democrats didn't think about it until Texas did what they did or Mississippi did what they did. They'd want to do it the right way through Congress and laws and that sort of thing. But if one group of people is going to do this bullshit undermining thing, this workaround... You can bet the Democrats, because they're not much better than the Republicans, are going to do the same thing. And the problem is we're left with a fucking mess in this country that's going to take years and decades to fix. We've had enough con, uh, chaos in this country through the Trump administration. Now should be the time when we settle things down and get things back on track and get things moving the way they should. But that doesn't look like what's happening. It looks like it's bad, it's going to get worse, and it's going to get even worse than that. Because every state's going to do whatever the fuck they want to undermine the uh, Supreme Court, the Constitution, all this shit. That is a problem for this country we need to look at. doesn't matter if you don't like abortions. doesn't matter if you don't like guns. We have laws, federal laws in this country, and they mean something. And just because you think you found a workaround for them shouldn't be a way to get around it. If you want to change the laws, change the laws. If you want to 
get more Democrats on the Supreme Court, well, then vote Democrat and get them in there. Or stack the court and add more justices and make it even. But these little bullshit things in the state, they won't last. They won't work. All it does is cause more chaos in this country. All right, we're going to wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time and listening. And uh, questions, comments, complaints, recipes, whatever, you can send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, leave me a voicemail message. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks for joining me, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.